Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. And hitting uh, every chapter along the way here. Daniel 6, starting with verse number 1, and uh, it says, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes uh, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Uh, this evening, I'm, you know, you could dig real deep and come up with something probably fancy title, but I'm just calling it the lion's den. That's what chapter 6 is known by. I mean, we, we start back at chapter 3, it's known as the fiery furnace. You go to chapter 4, you know, and, and, and it's talking to us about Nebuchadnezzar being a wild beast. Number 5, handwriting on the wall. Number 6, the lion's den. Okay, and so let's just look at it tonight. I know it might be a Bible story that many are acquainted with, but let's just see if just we can open our mind and maybe we'll just learn something maybe we haven't learned uh, along the way. Father, I come to you this evening. God, I'm thankful, Lord, again for your opportunity, God, to be here. I pray, Lord, mark any error from my mind and from my heart, Lord Jesus, as we share, God, from your word tonight. I pray, oh God, help us, Jesus, grant us understanding, God, all these things, Lord, are contained in your scriptures. The Bible says, Lord, they are for reproof and restruction, uh, correction, Lord, instruction, and Lord, rebuke, Lord, all of these things for doctrine. God, we want to seek them out, Lord, and see where they can apply, Lord, to our very own lives. God, we know, Lord, we'll be benefited by it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, we pray, and everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. As you recall, we are no longer, we are no longer <clears throat> under the Babylonian Empire, where we sit right now, we are now in that arms and, and chest of silver aspect of the dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had, and we are now under the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, prophecy being fulfilled and history being told, if you will. And if you will remember, at the close of Daniel chapter number 5, the Bible spoke that Darius the Mede took uh, the kingdom from Belshazzar and I have expressed to you and I, I, I don't want to be remiss in giving you some other viewpoints but I just give you probably the one that's more most primary for me and that is that Darius the Mede was the uncle to Cyrus the Persian however uh, there has been other opinions as well some believe that uh, Darius and Cyrus is one and the same person. And I'm just throwing this out here for your consideration. Uh, it's it, it, just because I just don't want to get caught up in the trap of just maybe leaning what I lean on and not sharing with you what, what is also possibly out there. Uh, but for one, uh, Darius has been uh, considered as the same, same person because uh, they say that Darius is not necessarily just a name, but Darius is, is an office or a title. Just like whenever you read in the Old Testament about the Pharaohs, well, you see Pharaoh a lot. Well, Pharaoh isn't a name of a person. Pharaoh is a title. Uh, 
you, you see even Herod in the New Testament scripture. That isn't always just the name of a person. Many times that is a title or an office, just, just the same with, you've read of Abimelech. You remember whenever uh, Abraham uh, went down to Egypt and he said, uh, uh, Sarah, when we go down there, don't, don't tell them that, that you're, you're my wife. Tell them that you're my sister, which she was, half-sister. And you remember Abimelech kind of was going to be in trouble, right? And then later his son Isaac does the exact same thing, and there's Abimelech again. And you see Abraham lived all these many years ago, and then Isaac, man, this Abimelech guy must live forever. But again, Abimelech is an is a office or a title. It isn't just the name of an individual. So they say that you know, this Darius is, is a name or an office or a title. And they, they go to Daniel 6, 28 many times, the last verse of Daniel 6, because the Bible says, so this, prosper, so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, because uh, the word and can actually be translated even meaning that Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, even in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, meaning that perhaps Darius and Cyrus was the same person. However, this is just me talking to you. My difficulty of the matter is this, is that the Bible speaks that Darius was a Mede and Cyrus was a Persian. And so if they're one and the same person, I have a conflict with that. Uh, one's a Mede and one's a Persian, so I have a little conflict there. Anyway, that's just food for thought, your own investigation. Take a home, study it out for yourself. Uh, you'll see a lot of different points of view, but uh, me personally, I stay with the concept and idea that Darius was, in fact, nothing more, <clears throat> excuse me, Darius the Mede was nothing more uh, but the uncle to, to Cyrus. All right? All right, I just had to share that. I didn't want to be guilty about just taking you down the path that maybe I'm only looking down. Um, and so Darius the Mede here, he is now uh, the ruler or the king, if you will, over the Medo-Persian Empire, a newly conquered empire. And so he has a vast area that he is ruler and reigner over. Uh, and as a result of this, to make it more manageable, to make it more manageable, he divides it into about 120 regions. He sets a person over each one of those regions. And then over the 120 people, that's each over a region, he sets three uh, presidents. And this is vastly different than what we think in terms of a president today. Amen. And probably even what we think of a president concerning right now. However, amen, they had three presidents that was over these 120. But there was one that was chief among the three. And guess who that was? Daniel. It was Daniel. And so not only did setting this hierarchy up like this uh, make it easier for the organization to be managed, but it also put some checks and balances into place. Because could you imagine just one person that was trying to uh, govern, and if you remember back the Medo-Persian Empire, whenever they acquired Babylon, they grew, they, were, they got pretty big as far as land area, and so we have all this land that we're trying to control, and so you have 120 uh, princes that's over each section, imagine just trying to be over those 120, what could happen was this, a guy over here in this region that's prince over this region, you know, if he didn't have no checks or balances on him, he could ask for a higher tax because, you know, the ruler wanted so much, but get a little higher tax, skim some off the top, and give the rest back to the ruler. And so to make sure everything was done proper and in order, we have three presidents that are over these 120, and Daniel is the chief among them. And here again, I think this is important, is a wonderful testimony to Daniel himself as 
a child of God, as a Jew, as someone that came from the land of Judah, because the Bible plainly tells us in in verse number 3 that Daniel was preferred above all the rest. Whenever it means all the rest, it means above the two other presidents and above all the 120 princes. Daniel was preferred above all the rest, and the Bible tells us why he was preferred. He was preferred because he had an excellent spirit. He's a child of the living God. He represents God, an ambassador in the earth, if you will, and he says he was preferred because he had an excellent spirit. I tell you what, if you're going to be uh, labeled with something as a child of God, it would be great to emulate the life of Daniel to have a preference above others for the reason, because you know what? You've heard it said, there's just something about that person I like. What it is, is that excellent spirit. From the very beginning, we have seen this in the life of Daniel. From chapter number one, even until now, as a young man, now now he's, he's somewhere in his 80s now, but even as a young man in his teenage years, he handled himself in such a way that he had a, excellent spirit you'll remember back to the portion of the king's meat and wine how he handled all of that scenario very diplomatically and very delicately amen he had a excellent spirit he wasn't you know didn't crinkle up his nose he didn't look down his long nose he wasn't gruff he had an excellent spirit and that has followed him all these years or he's maintained that maybe should i say all these years of having an excellent excellent spirit and plus uh, he, he was very instrumental when we consider Daniel he's been very instrumental all along the way with explanations concerning the dreams or the handwriting on the wall that we had seen uh, just last week in the Babylonian kingdom uh, and, and look at this this is a man that had a, a pretty good position in the Babylonian kingdom and now all of this has changed hands and now it's the Medo-Persian Empire and now he has a pretty good position here as well, no doubt because of how he served in his previous positions. His reputation surely has went before him. Uh, the Bible talks about your sins going before you or coming after you. Your reputation does the same thing. <laughs> he'll go before you or he'll come after you. He'll catch up with you. And so Daniel's has went before him. And so the Bible also speaks early on. It spoke of Daniel in the first chapter, I believe it was, of being a man of understanding. A man of understanding. And the Bible says this concerning a man of understanding in Proverbs 17 And verse 27, it says, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Understanding equal to excellent spirit. So it doesn't take us by surprise then that Daniel would be uh, characterized as a man of excellent spirit because from the beginning he has been a young boy and throughout his years a person of understanding. Amen. And, and Daniel is so much so preferred above the other two presidents and these 102, 120 rather princes that Darius is scratching his head a little bit and considering, you know what? Perhaps I might even set Daniel as, uh, as over my whole realm altogether. And that's where the problem really began. Because whenever Darius began to think about setting him over his whole realm, this didn't set good with the other leaders as a matter of fact it is an age-old problem that you wait when someone's getting promoted that breeds criticism 
many times among their peers. Amen. Daniel 6 and verses 4, and I, I am going to tiptoe, I'm not going to tiptoe through all 28, but close to it. Daniel 6 verses 4 through 5, the Bible says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could, not, they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now again, and I, I must say that I don't think I just ever paused and really considered this. And I think the reason why is because oftentimes even as children growing up when we hear the story of Daniel's in the lion's den and back in the day in my age when you used flannel, flannel graphs or you had posters and you didn't have modern technology, Daniel a lot of times was portrayed as a younger man. But Daniel at this time is somewhere around an 80 some odd year old man. We're not talking about a young boy putting down in, into a bunch of lines. We're talking about somebody of maybe osteoporosis being put down. <laughs> you know, he should even survive being let down into the pit, you know, let alone uh, being, being the age what he, that he was. But with that in mind, consider tonight. Here's a man that's some 80 some odd years old, and there's people that's desiring to find fault with him. He's lived 80 some odd years. And they cannot find occasion nor fault in this 80-some-odd-year-old man. Now, if he was five days old, man, I might be able to see that. But he's not five days old. He is 80-some-odd-years old. And they're having difficulty laying a finger on the fault or an occasion to find fault. In the reason why I'm going back to that, I think it's important. It's not that they just couldn't find a fault, but they could find none occasion. It's not they couldn't just find a fault, but they couldn't even find an opportunity to find a fault. You know, it's like uh, they were hard-pressed to find any gray areas. I'm not talking about gray hairs, I'm talking about gray areas, all right. Gray areas in this 80-some-odd-year-old man. Uh, I drive back and forth on Poplar, back and forth to my house, and so I always pass the Eagles over here, and uh, right now they have on their sign, I don't know what it means, it doesn't really matter to me, but I'm just telling you how my brain works. I've seen their sign up there, and it said something about come such and such for three shades of gray, and what that made me think of real quickly was uh, the controversy around a trilogy of books, uh, which first book was called The Fifty Shades of Gray, and then it made me start to think, uh, made me start to think about this whole Daniel aspect that he could have wrote a bestseller among all this garbage and called it No Shades of Grey. <laughs> I think we need some more No Shades of Grey books. Amen, publish. Amen. <laughs> so, but with this being said, folks, listen, this is not to say that Daniel didn't have any faults in his whole lifetime. But that they must have been few enough that these men could not find them. And I would like to say for many of us, I'd hope so for many of us, some of our, if I could call them this, and no one get offended, but some of our grossest, <laughs> if there's such a word, faults could only be found if you were to retrieve them from out behind the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I believe for us today, hopefully we could live in such a respectable life that likewise they couldn't find no fault or occasion of fault, not because we never had a fault, but because those faults are hidden behind His blood. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so whenever you live for the Lord, put a bullseye on your chest because you're living in the glass house now. And if you find leadership living for the Lord, or you become anything within the church for the Lord, then just draw the bullseye bigger. And the glass house don't have no street marks on the glass. It's very clear, and they can see right through it. Because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall suffer persecution. And so whenever they thought that Daniel was going to get this prime thing of being over all the realm, you know, go from the classification of equal with these other three presidents, except he was chief among them even, and have, have rule over all the realm, uh, there were a couple other presidents, no doubt, maybe even some princes that wanted to rid themselves of Daniel. And so I don't know if this was the mentality, and I can't prove in Scripture whether these other two presidents were uh, of a lesser age than what Daniel was, but Daniel's been around for some time, for this time of Scripture. This is not whenever they lived, you know, 300 years, you know. Daniel's pretty old for his age. But I wonder what was going through the mind. I wonder if they had the idea you know let's conspire against the old man attitude I mean what does he know anyway he served his time someone else should be given a chance yet the Bible tells us that Darius who is the king is three score and two years old he's 62 years old and this man that's younger than Daniel is wishing to elevate Daniel a man that's older, older than him above all now I, I i grant tonight and this is true and scripture bears it out and we'll get to it that wisdom isn't always guaranteed by years all right but there is something that years do give you and that's experience all right the bible says in job 32 just to prove my point that wisdom isn't always guaranteed by years that just because you're old doesn't necessarily mean you're wise Okay, but the Bible says in Job 32 and 6, the Bible says, and Elihu, Elihu is the fourth one on the scene. Whenever Job had three friends that come, Elihu's the fourth, and he's the youngest of them all. The Bible says, Elihu, the son of Barashel, the Buzzite, that's nice, isn't it? Answered and said, I am young, ye are very old. Wherefore, I was afraid and durst not shew you my opinion. He's been staying still and quiet, and all these other three have been talking about things. I said they should speak. He said I, I was being respect, respectful. The elders, the older should speak. Multitude of years should teach wisdom. That's where it should come from. He says, but there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. He said great men, and here's was his statement, great men, and he's speaking then of aged men, are not always wise. Neither do the age understand judgment. And so wisdom isn't always guaranteed by years all right but years should at least give a person experience and i believe though there are a lot of experienced wise old people all right if i can say that uh, respectfully using the word old all right uh because whenever we consider if you remember rehoboam uh, one of the sons of solomon that he was going to go to reign and uh, at, at this juncture in the road we see the splitting of the north and south tribes because of how Rehoboam handled a situation. 
Rehoboam had asked of the elders, people that sat under his father, that had stood before his father, asked them, how should I reply to the people? And basically the elders told him, he said, well, if you, Rehoboam, will be a servant to the people, then the people will be a servant to you. If you'll answer them with good things, then they will be willing to place themselves underneath your command. And so then he turned from that and went to the young guys like he was and said, what do you all think? Well, I'll tell you what you need to tell them. You tell them, if you think daddy was hard, honey, I'm going to be harder. Tell them you're going to put scorpions on them and you're going to whip them with whips and just tell them who's in command. And the Bible plainly says that, that whenever Rehoboam answered the people, he did not take the counsel of the elderly or the aged, but he took the counsel of the young and answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel that, that, had, that had been given to him. And as a result of all of this, we have Rehoboam only getting two tribes, Judah, amen, and Benjamin, and the other ten split from that. The real split of the nation of Israel happened when a man did not adhere to an old man's experience and wisdom. Amen. And so... I don't know what the other guys are doing, but here is Daniel. He's seen some things. He's lived through some things. This isn't the first high position that he served in in an empire. This is not some kid coming out wet behind the ears. Uh, he, like I, use, I like to use the terminology. It's not his first rodeo, uh, so to speak. He, he knows what's going on. And so those, those men of Solomon, they, they were experienced. They had stood before Solomon. They were trying to uh, tell Rehoboam what would be best if he would just learn some things and witness some things that they had witnessed and so here's Daniel he's in his 80s he served several different ranking capacities under different rulers he has quite a portfolio if you will of experience and for that matter I believe Daniel personally was wise even beyond his years at a young man I believe he could say as Elihu said in Job that there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth him understanding. I've witnessed people in my day, even now there's young men that's coming up uh, in the ministry or coming up in the church, young men around this, this United States that I've seen and heard preach. And I would be one that would say these are some men that, are, that are, are wise beyond their years. Why? Because the spirit of the Almighty that's inside of them, they've given themselves over to him and he is bringing inspiration and understanding unto their lives. The Old Testament reminds us of this. If if, if the, these other presidents was having this idea of let's get rid of the Okuk, uh, this is what the Old Testament tells us in 1 Kings 20, verse 11. And I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version. It's not much different from uh, the King James. It says, let not him that girds on his armor boast himself as he that puts it off. And what that basically means, the writer is trying to urge the young men, particularly the young warriors, to be aware how they come across to the older warriors because as the young ones are putting on their armor to go to their first fight that old warrior's taking his off and he's already been through a lot of fights and a lot of battles and so what you're just starting in he's already trudged through a whole lot of and so don't be too boastful or proud amen about your strength and your energy because he was once strong as you were amen 
But now there's just a lot of uh, lines on his face from episodes and battles and fighting and experience. Amen. So these men couldn't lay a finger on Daniel concerning the fault. No occasion could be found. So these men used what? They used, say, we can't lay a finger on his life. So if we can't find something wrong with him, we'll have to use what's right with him against him. We're going to use Daniel's loyalty to God against him because there's no other venue. There's no other fault. There's no other occasion that we can find. Now, here's the thing, folks. In the last days, when the Antichrist rules the earth and there's still Jews upon the earth, the tactic is going to be the same. He's going to have a hard time laying a finger on them, so what he's going to have to do is use their loyalty to God against them. Hear me. That's the reason why there will be an image of the beast that he would want them to worship. What's he trying to do? They believe in one God, and they're not going to worship any other God but that God, so they're going to try to use their loyalty to God against them. They want them to take the number of his name because they won't do that because to do that would deny their belief in God. So they're going, he's going to use their loyalty to God against them. All right? Daniel chapter number 6 and verse number 6. The Bible says, Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. That's just a common greeting of that time. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days save of thee o king shall be cast into the den of lions now o king establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the medes and persians which altereth not wherefore king darius signed the writing and the decree so we have a meeting of all the presidents and all these rulers that come together to the king, all of them except Daniel. And so they're all together with the king. They're all coming together. They're going to speak to the king. And they're saying, king, we think a certain statue and degree should be passed. And notice in verse number seven, the Bible says all the presidents, they're saying all of us have consulted about this. Well, Danny boy wasn't a part of the conversation. But they're speaking for Daniel. They're saying, we've all talked about, I've been in those scenarios. We've all talked about this. And uh, we think that there should be a decree that uh, for 30 days, no one should be able to make any petition except unto you, king, to no other God, no other man except unto you. If they make any petition to anybody else except you, then they should be thrown into the lion's den. All right? Amen. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm not much of a promoter of somebody else speaking for me because I don't like anybody. And so Daniel, I think, was in a similar position here. They were going in before the king like, yeah, Danny boy's in on this too, and we think you need to, you need to uh, go and, and make this decree. And so Darius, the Bible says, signs the decree. Now, why wouldn't he? He appears to have, as according to their words, the support of everybody to do so. And what they say seems to going to happen. Not, not only that, I mean having a special month of appreciation in your name for 30 days i mean who does you okay for the human side i mean you know that kind of sounds good this isn't just president's day this is ruler's 30 days this is ruler month this is king darius appreciation month you know and so you know who wouldn't like to be a part of that and so he signs the decree now look at verse number 10 now when daniel knew 
Look now. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now, here's the thing. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went and prayed. Something so very important about Daniel and the different episodes that he's been in his life. He doesn't like call anybody on the carpet and start trying to justify how, let me tell you, all wrong. He doesn't do that. It's amazing. He does not do that. When he knew that the writing had been signed and no doubt that's going to incriminate him because he prays to God daily that you know what he did? He went and prayed. Now, he's not going to pray because of the the decree. He's praying in spite of the decree. It says he went and did what he had done aforetime. He wasn't praying because there was a problem. He was praying through the problem because that's what he had, a life of prayer. When it was good, he was praying. When it was bad, it was praying. He was just doing as he had done before time. He had a life of prayer. He wasn't doing anything different than what he had done any other day. I know used to, uh, people used to ask, said, you know, if you, knew the, if you knew the Lord was coming back tonight, what would you do? And one man once said one time, he said, I hope I wouldn't do anything differently than what I'm doing right now. Not anything different than aforetime. And no, and people sometimes, uh, yeah, bless God, Daniel. And you, there's songs written about this. As a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, Pandora Radio today, and I had uh, some uh, Southern Gospel-type music going in my earbuds, and I heard song about this today. And Daniel opened up the windows and prayed, and Daniel didn't know the windows were already open. Look at the Scriptures. He went to his house, his windows being open. What that's saying is, Daniel wasn't trying to show off his prayer life. His windows were already open. You want to know why? Because customarily in that region, it was quite warm. And so they left their windows open for if there was any type of breeze available, that it would blow through their dwelling place. So we don't have a proud Daniel that's wondering, yeah, everybody hear me pray. No, no, no. And that song's wrong. They need to take it off the radio station. And there's nothing that just boils my blood more stuff that doesn't line up with the Bible that we try to propagate. Anyway... I'm going to call in. (laughs) No, I'll just go pray. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory, amen. But he didn't do anything different. And so his windows were already open. Now, here again, I I want to preface something here. Before anybody gets intimidated by Daniel's prayer life, all right, before anybody gets intimidated by by his prayer life, that's consistent three times, everybody say three times, three times a day, Consider, again, that this is a man that's in the golden years of his life. It is quite, quite possible in his 80s here. Now, I don't know, there's nothing that tells me, that from the moment of infancy until now, he's prayed three times a day. I tend to believe that somewhere along the way, he started to develop that. What I'm saying is nobody knows the struggles maybe that he overcame or the disciplines he had to hone in 80 years of his life in order to achieve a a three-time-a-day prayer life. So before someone gets intimidated, so bless God, uh, I have a hard time getting 15 minutes in, I might as well hang up the coat, don't. 
stay with your 15 minutes and add five to it somewhere along the line. Amen. Because I'm, I feel pretty confident if I know humanity, if I know humanity, that he didn't step out of the womb praying three times a day. Somewhere along the way, he developed into such a prayer life that in his latter years of being 80, it was habitual part, a habitual part of his life. He practiced it over and over. However, now before we just start writing off, well, okay, I'll do me a touchdown prayer. Hallelujah, glory. He said it was going to take progress. Duly noted, though, understand that Daniel was the chief of the three presidents of a very vast domain with 120 princes under him. Everybody say, he's a busy man. He's a busy man with demanding responsibilities with all of that responsibility, yet he still took time and retired home three times a day or wherever he was, evidently, and took time for prayer. So let, I, you've heard me before. We need to somehow strike balance. You know, we, well, bless God, you need to pray three times a day. Or, or say, oh, bless you, it's okay, just take a couple of minutes. We need to find a balance. So just as much as you might not be at the three time, uh, uh, he also took responsibility enough, though, in spite of the busyness of his life and the responsibilities he had to pray three times a day. So we got to find, we got to find a balance. All in all, I think what it does is emphasize for you and I, there is a vast importance on prayer and prayer time let's consider and I, I did this today and uh, let's just consider let's say that Daniel had got to this three times a day prayer thing let's say that he got to it has been practicing it for the past 40 years of his life let's just consider that if that is the case that means that Daniel would have prayed 43,800 prayers in the past 40 years now let's consider let's talk about first apostolic church just consider this Imagine if just 40 adults in this church would pray just one time a day each day. Then at the end of this year, we would have 14,600 prayers offered up to God from the First Apostolic Church at the closure of this year. Daniel was so adamant about prayer, he knew it was what was written. He knew what was written. He was so adamant about prayer, so he knew the consequences that was involved. So adamant about prayer that he would rather die than give up his privilege and power in prayer. He knew what was going on. And so the Bible says, there's Daniel doing what he does, praying, and these people caught Daniel praying to God, and they knew they would. That's the reason why they divine, divine well, get it out of your mouth, designed this as such. They knew they would. That's the reason they went to this. They caught Daniel praying, and they knew they would. Now, Talk to me here tonight. There are certain people that, Brother Johnson, Don Johnson, you could probably name off that will be at McDonald's at certain times, at certain days of the week. Is there not? There's probably some people you can tell me that will be there tomorrow morning at a certain time. Isn't that right? There's other people that you may know that, and again, I'm not trying to be carnal, but there'll probably be other people you know that will be watching such and such uh, on TV uh, certain nights of the week because that's their, they say their shows. All right? And, and we're creatures of habit. That's what we are. I remember whenever I used to commute back and forth to Evansville that there was some people that, that, that we, I traveled with the same route every day. I didn't know their name and they didn't ride in my vehicle. But we took the same route to work and we went at the same time and there were some times when I didn't see, you know, uh, the, the, the red Chevy truck. I wonder, I wonder if he's sick today, you know. I wonder what's going on. Oh, 
call him Bob or George. We just, we just kind of, you know, did the same thing every day. And I thought to myself today, wouldn't it be a wonderful trait to be so habitual in our prayer that a person could depend on its time and its frequency? I know they're going to be at McDonald's. I know they're probably at home watching such and such. I know they're going to be at the highway going to work that time. Wouldn't it be great if we would be so habitual in our prayer they're going to say, don't even bother calling. I know what they're doing right now. They're praying. Well, they could do that with Daniel. They could set their clock to it. They could do that with Daniel. And, and they take this news then to Darius. And, and, and they, it's, they're real conniving how they do all this. They don't come in and say, hey, we caught Daniel uh, red-handed or whatever handed you catch someone praying. We caught Daniel folded-handed praying, <laughs> you know. And no, that's not how they did it. They came in and what they first did is verify. Now, King, did you sign a decree? This, this is how people like this work. Did you sign a decree that said for 30 days no petition was to be given to any god or man except you according to the law of the Medes and the Persians? Yes, as a matter of fact, I did. Well, see, we caught Daniel over there praying. And so, and look how they speak of Daniel. They try to degrade Daniel. They call him, say, we, we caught, you know, that Daniel, the one that's the cap, the, the, a child of, of the captivity of Judah, trying to, you know, look down their own nose. And look at verse number 14 of Daniel 6. And I, I'm trying, uh, I'm doing all right, I think, maybe okay, yeah. Uh, verse 14, then the king, when he heard these words, so they tell him about how this happened, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till going down to the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is that no decree nor statue which the king established may change. And you will remember, one of the things that makes the kingdom of the Medes and Persians inferior to the Babylonian kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar's a monarch. What I say go, I can change it tomorrow in the very moment that I said it. If I want to, I'm the monarch, I'm the man. But the Medes and Persians, once it's spoken, it was irrevocable. You could not change it. What was said was said. And you have 120 princes and president. You have a cabinet of people. You don't just have one person in power here. And so you said it can't be changed. Then the king commanded, they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions now the king spake and said unto Daniel thy God whom thou servest continually he will deliver thee and so whenever, whenever the king hears of this news of Daniel his heart smoked because he, at that moment he understand this is the reason why all this was put into play in the very beginning these guys has really put the blinders on my eyes this is what this was all about from the very beginning. I have agreed to this decree, and maybe by my own pride, which we have seen continuously through Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, through my own pride, I thought, yeah, 30 days for appreciation sounds pretty good, you know. I could deal with that. And, but now I, I, I'm just heartfelt because, because he does, he's, he, he prefers Daniel. He thinks a lot about Daniel. And he took it as a responsibility then on his shoulders. I'm going to do whatever I can do before the day's over to get this taken care of, to get this changed, to get him delivered out of the lion's den. But the law of the Medes and Persian is no man can alter. So it is what it is. And so here he is now. He has to take Daniel. The men have come back. You know the law of Medes and Persians. Yes, I'm king. I know it. He says, well, we're going to have to put Daniel in the lion's den. Yet some of the final words that the king spoke to Daniel, look what he said. He said, thy God, speaking to Daniel, whom thou serve continually. Now that's interesting. 
See, this continual service of prayer to God had not gone unnoticed in the eyes of the king. He said, you serve him continually. You're 80 years old. You have done this throughout the course of your life. He says, he will deliver you. What Darius was trying to convey to Daniel was this. Daniel, I've tried to deliver you. But God is going to have to deliver you. I've tried and I couldn't. But God's going to have to. And so I believe that there's, there's some type of faith then. That, that Darius is showing in Daniel and in Daniel's God. Amen. At least a belief in Daniel. Amen. For the faith that Daniel had and displayed in his God. He said he will deliver you. And I like what uh, the New King James Version study Bible said. It said this. It said if your faithfulness gets you in trouble, your faith can get you out of it. Amen. Amen. Because the Bible said, if you notice in the scripture, that he was faithful in verse number four of Daniel 6. Daniel was faithful. So if your faithfulness got you in it, your faith can get you out of it. And then we look later in verse number 23, and the Bible says when Daniel was taken out of the den, out of the lion's den, the Bible says in verse 23, so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him. And the reason was because he believed, or if you will, had faith in God. The book of Hebrews even agrees with that it was his faith. That was a key element in his deliverance. Hebrews 11, verse 33, the Bible says, speaking of these people, David among them, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel says, I tell you what all this is about. This is about my faith. I'm out of the den, uh, uh, unscathed and unharmed because I believed in God. I had faith in God. See, we see something similar here, don't we? We go back to Daniel chapter number 3. There's three Hebrew boys thrown into a furnace. They come out of the furnace. There's not the smell of smoke upon them, not no hair singed from their body. Amen. They were put in the furnace by the command of the Babylonian king, and they came out unhurt. Daniel's put in the lion's den by the command of the Medo-Persian king, although it was against his true will, and he came out unhurt. Now look, the difference, Darius, after he puts Daniel in the den, he couldn't sleep that night. Bible says he didn't eat. Bible says that he didn't allow himself to be entertained. He didn't allow the musicians to come in and play their music. Amen. As a matter of fact, he was the first one that got up in the morning to go check, see if Daniel, if your God was willing to deliver you. Now, why didn't they just throw him into the fire like they did the three Hebrew boys? Well, now the Babylonians, remember we're in a different empire here now. Babylonians, Medo-Persian. The Babylonians put their criminals, yes, alive in the fire. But the Persians worshipped the fire. And so if they threw somebody in the fire, it would be the same as deifying that person. Because since they worshipped the fire, then they would be worshipping the man in the fire. So to throw them in the fire was to make a person God for the Medo-Persians. So instead, they throw them in the lion's den. And the Bible states this in Daniel 6, 24. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. Now, Daniel's already out of the lion's den. Hallelujah, he's been delivered. Woo! Those lions, I don't know what happened. It would be, we don't get the record of what happened. If the lion's mouth were just, you know, closed and they were sleeping or if they were playing with Daniel, we don't, it's neat to just start thinking about, was Daniel scratching their bellies and them having their tongues out the side of their mouth? You know, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all never thought about that, have you? 
But something went on that he wasn't consumed. And the king commanded, they brought those men which had accused Daniel. Now the people that set up this whole ordeal with Daniel would be snafu'd and all this. And accused Daniel, they cast them into the den of lions. Them and their children and their wives. And the lions, note the, the wording here is just tremendous. The lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Now, here's amazing, folks. There are critics, and there's always critics. There's critics that's trying to analyze Scripture and say Daniel was never real and that never happened. It was just a fable and all this baloney. And there's critics that say that the reason why the lions never ate Daniel is because they were not hungry at that time. (laughs) Well, put a horn on my head and call me a unicorn. (laughs) But verse 24 is quite available to us that then they took all these other people and threw them down in the lion's den and the lions had mastery of them and broke their bones. If you notice the last phrase, or ever they came at the bottom of the den, in essence what happened, these lions were so hungry that they had them consumed before they could ever touch bottom. Huh. I don't think they had a fast day and their fast just broke happen at that time. <laughs> But what we see also in this, if I can peel back this, you know, you know, you take an onion, you got all these layers. If I could just peel back a layer of the onion here, is that here were these presidents and counselors that had done this thing, but their sin or their wrongdoing affected more than just them. It affected their kids. It affected their wives. We have several places in Scripture where we see this illustrated. You remember Achan that whenever they overtook Jericho and the spoils belonged to the Lord, yet he partook of some of those things that should not have been taken from him. They were the accursed things that the Bible speaks because of his sin. The whole nation, even of Israel, suffered, the Bible says. When they went to get Ai, they, they, they should have been able to take it because of sin of a man that was in the camp. The, a whole nation of Israel suffered, and whenever the burning and the stoning finally took place, he and his family suffered at the hand you remember the story of Miriam that whenever she was critical of Moses because he had she he had married the 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 the, the Ethiopian lady that whenever he she is critical of Moses that Miriam struck with leprosy and as a result of that she's going to sit outside the camp for seven days they said even if her daddy had spat in her face she'd have to sit outside the camp for seven days but while she's sitting outside the camp for seven days you know what's happening the whole nation of Israel's at a standstill and can't continue on their journey for seven days because your wrongdoings your sins does have some type of effect or impact upon other people that are around you and so here are these men who conspired against Daniel and not only did they suffer but their wives and their children suffered as well they're all thrown into the pit but then after all this takes place and we're getting through it everybody doing okay I hope my animation is helping you tonight. (laughs) Darius then, after all this is said and done, look what he does. He makes a decree. Now what we know from just the last decree that's been made is that it can't be altered. Now the thing with the last decree, there was a time frame set on it, 30 days and then it's over. But now he makes another decree. And so whatever he's about ready to state will not be able to be altered. 
But this decree, he doesn't put a time frame on. It's open-ended. And he basically tells them this, that every person should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Uh-oh, did, that, did I say that? <laughs> that can't be altered. That's not for 30 days. That's for eternity. Uh-huh. So you're going to have to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. Now, just for consideration, you'll stand with me tonight, and I'll, I'll put, tie up these strings, and we'll make a little pretty bow out of them. We'll go home. These are just some things worth consideration because the Bible, this is the most awesome book you'll ever read. Mystery and love and war. Hate, adultery. I mean, this is, it's got it all, folks, I'm telling you. Family problems, sacrifices, murder. It's a wonderful book. And so I'm just posing these things here for comparisons worth considering, if you will, today. Comparisons between Daniel and Jesus Christ. For one, through their own statement, they could not find no fault with Daniel. Pilate and his plea to the people was, I find no fault with him. Both Daniel and Jesus are subjected to a place, you can read in Scripture in Daniel, where a stone was placed over the opening and sealed with a seal. Angels had visited both the lion's den and the tomb. Yet both come from their respective places still alive. Just for consideration. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's the lion's den. Now next week, folks. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.